May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Ryan Loxmo. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Loxmo. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and we're really glad that y'all are with us today as we continue our number one hit series, which has just been awesome uh, so far, by the way. So I'm really glad that y'all are with us today. And uh, what we're doing in this series is we are looking at classic passages in the Bible that happen in the first chapter of uh, different books. And we've got our billboard here of our number one hits, and we can see, let's see, here at the bottom, um, It's a Sabbatical Life by Mike McGowan is hanging on just by a thread narrowly beat out by Too Legit to Quit, so that's cool. Um, We've got Come Together by the greatest band ever making the charts, at least in my opinion, the greatest band ever. And then last week we talked about our own Pat Hunt's uh, song, uh, Man of Action by World 5, which has plummeted this week completely off the charts, and uh, it's going to be, <laughs> sorry Pat, it's going to be replaced by our number one hit for today, Colossians 1:15 to 20. Look, I, uh, I, I love this series because I, I love music. Um, I've been passionate about music since back when I was in high school, and uh, I, I just love it. And so I was really excited when I learned about this series and what we were going to be doing. And, uh, uh, you know, back in high school, I was in the worship band in my high school uh, youth ministry. I played the drums, and there were a couple other guys who played guitar and bass, and we kind of played every single week, every Sunday and Wednesday. And... Um, there were singers in that uh, group that would kind of rotate through, and uh, my wife, Ashley, uh, was one of those singers. That's how we met each other in high school, and uh, we kind of knew each other. Um, you know, we went to the same church, but we didn't go to the same school or anything like that. We didn't have a lot of time uh, during rehearsals to, to talk, so I kind of knew her. I thought she was nice, and I would say, hey, how's it going when I saw her, and that was basically it. Um, but then uh, one summer, our youth ministry took a trip, actually, to Galveston, and uh, we had a chance to get to know each other because our little worship band was doing the, the praise and worship for this big conference that all these youth ministries were coming to. And so we had all these rehearsals and we were just kind of hanging around. And uh, we finally got to know each other. And I can remember actually our uh, first real conversation was in the lobby of the Hotel Galvez in Galveston. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, but I remember sitting down in the lobby and just talking for like an hour and uh, learning about her and, you know, where she wanted to go to school, and I was talking about where I wanted to go to school and, um, you know, what we wanted to do with our lives, and, you know, I just, I got to know her, and it, you know, through that conversation, I realized how superficial my impression of her had been before, because I was learning all this great stuff about her and getting to know her, and, you know, I was finding out how kind she was and smart and funny and, and Christ-like, and it was just like, wow. I mean, I've been around this person for a couple years now, kind of in passing, we would say hello, but, you know, I just was getting to know her, and this whole new understanding of who she was um, was opening up, and it was just, it was really amazing. Um, Now, she already knew that I was awesome before this conversation, so, no, 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 no. Actually, what's funny is when she tells this story about before we got to know each other, she says that I was the guy on Sunday mornings who basically always looked like I needed a couple more hours of sleep, <laughs> which was true. But, but look, I think we've all had those um, types of conversations and those types of experiences in our lives where, like, we think we know somebody, and then you have that conversation, you get to know them, and it just, this whole new understanding opens up, and you're like, wow, I did not know that about that person. That's really cool. You know, or we think we know a lot about something else, and then we read something, or we hear something, and it's like, wow, I had no idea that was happening. 
And, um, you know, it's the same in our relationship with Christ. Um, often, uh, our picture of who Christ is is very superficial. Um, and I think a lot of times we are guilty, and I'm included in this, of kind of domesticating Jesus a little bit and making him kind of how we want him to be. He's our buddy, he's our friend, and he's just kind of, Jesus is who we make him out to be, um, which sometimes really is not in line with what scripture actually says about who he is. We haven't gotten to know him to the point that we really understand him in the depths of who he is. And so what we need is a deeper, truer, more biblical picture of who Christ is. And uh, it really does take an active effort. I'll tell you that. It takes an active effort to have that full picture of who Christ is. And, you know, listen up. This is really important. If we don't find that true view, that biblical view of who Christ is, we risk not really following Christ. What we risk is instead following kind of our own watered-down, superficial, unbiblical view of who Christ is, but not really following Christ. And we also risk perpetuating that superficial view with our kids and our friends and our, you know, coworkers and the people in our lives. So it is critical to have that deep, true vision of who Christ is if we're going to follow him. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't already, and we're going to take a look at our number one hit for today, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, and that's what uh, this classic number one hit is all about. It is the antidote to a superficial view of who Christ is. So uh, your first fill in there, the first thing that we've got to do, we've got to read sections of the Bible that emphasize Christ's power. They emphasize Christ's power. And that's what this number one hit is all about. That is what it is all about. And, and really, we need to get in the habit of having a regular diet of these kinds of passages in our life. Because this passage, when we get into it in a minute, you're going to see it takes our puny little views of who Christ is, and it just blows it up. Now, um, before we actually read the number one hit, I want to give you a little bit of background about this passage. So um, Colossians is a letter. It's a real ancient letter that a man wrote to a church. Now, that man was Paul, okay? You may have heard his name. Sometimes he's called the Apostle Paul. Um, He was basically the greatest church leader in the first century, in about the first 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. The Apostle Paul spread Christianity throughout the known world and planted churches everywhere. And uh, the way he would work is he would roll into town with his friends, and they would share the gospel. People would come to Christ. He would set up a church stay with them long enough to make sure they're basically rooted, and then he would move on, okay? He would set up a little bit of leadership, but he would move on because he needed to keep sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel. So what he would do is he would move on, but through his network, he would continue to hear about how that church was doing, and he would send them letters to give them teaching and encouragement, stuff like that. And so he was basically functioning as their pastor via letter, okay? Now what Colossians is, is one of these letters, that he wrote to a church in the town of Colossae, okay? It's in modern Turkey, and so the people who lived in Colossae were called Colossians. So that's why the letter's called Colossians. He was writing to this group of people, these early Christians. Now, to kind of fill out the picture for you, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was being persecuted for the fact that he was a Christian. He was in prison. He was awaiting trial by the Roman authorities, 
but he was continuing to get information about these churches. And uh, he got news that the Colossians had been domesticating Jesus, having this low, superficial view of who Christ is. You know, in their mind, it was kind of like, well, there's God, you know, God's God. And then there's Christ, and like, he's like a little bit different or lesser or something. And, and Paul, he heard that, and he's like, I've got to correct this view. I've got to correct it. They can't continue thinking that. You know, he, they can't continue thinking he's just like a good teacher or like an admirable guy. So he wrote this letter, and this number one hit, especially this passage, to correct that view. You know, because he could see down the road that if he didn't correct that view, they wouldn't be really following Christ because they wouldn't really know Christ. And their salvation and all of that would be at stake. So let's look at it. Let's look at this number one hit. It is a beautiful passage. It is packed with truth. We're going to go through it. I'm going to have you underline a few things, and then we're going to come back to those things and talk about them in more detail. So just uh, follow me on this. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Underline visible image. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. For through him, God created everything. Underline, through him, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Underline that last part, holds all creation together. Christ is also head of the church. Underline that, head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Underline that, he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Underline that last phrase, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, that is a number one hit. I mean, that is an unbelievable passage. So let's uh, dive in a little closer at what I just had you underline. Verse 15, we said Christ is the visible image of God. Now, that, those words, visible image, come from a Greek word, uh, and the Greek word is icon, because Paul originally wrote this letter in Greek. Now, the Greek word icon basically meant a visual representation of something. And so uh, it would have been the word they would use, for example, for like Caesar's head that was on the coins of the time. That was a representation of Caesar. And so the idea here is that Christ is the visible image of God, is that if you want to understand God, look at Christ. If you want to understand God, look at Christ. He is the visible image of a God we can't see. So the takeaway for this, for verse 15, and this is the first fill-in of those four, Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Let's keep going. Verse 16, we learned that Christ created everything. Have you thought about that? Do you think about that when you think about Jesus, that he literally created everything? Oceans, continents, elephants, Geckos, I don't know, anything you can think of. He made it, okay? He was intimately involved in creating the entire universe. And by the way, he knows you personally. 
Okay, so the takeaway for verse 16, Jesus created everything. Jesus created everything. Let's keep going through our number one hit here. Verse 17. Not only do we learn that he created everything, he holds everything together. We underline that in 17. He holds everything together. What that means is Christ maintains uh, creation. He didn't just like create the universe and be like, done, and walk away. He's still actively involved in maintaining creation. That, you know, star that goes supernova like billions of miles from here, Christ is involved in that. You know, the fact that on earth there are four seasons, um, you know, different times of the year, Christ is involved in that. Of course, we don't really have the four seasons here in Houston. Um, we did have a beautiful spring, though, this year. I don't know if you remember it. It was on May 9th between like 12 and 4. It was awesome. It was so good. But look, ocean tides, eclipses, trees growing, Christ is involved in all of it. He is involved in all of it. Do you have that picture of Christ? So the takeaway for verse 17, Jesus maintains creation. He maintains creation. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 18, we underline that Christ is the head of the church. That doesn't mean just Parkway Fellowship. That means the whole church on the whole earth for all of time. You know, a pastor is not the head of the church. That really popular Christian author or speaker that you like to listen to or read, they're not the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Okay, and we also saw in 18 that Christ is first in everything. We underline that. He is first in everything. That doesn't mean first, like, first place in a race, like he got there first. That means literally he has the highest place in honor, period, in every way. Creation, in the church, in our lives, Christ has the number one spot. He is second to none. That's what we get from verse 18. So your takeaway is Jesus rules over everything. He rules over everything. Now, in verse 19, I had you underline almost that whole verse. Um, That's basically a summary of everything we've just been talking about in the previous few verses. The fullness of God lives in Christ. Christ is God. There is no part of Christ that is not God. And there is no God apart from Christ. You know, uh, when, when Jesus was born, you know, to the Virgin Mary, we talk about this a lot at Christmas, he didn't come into existence then. He had always existed. Okay, that's a key truth uh, to know right there. He has always existed. Does your picture of Jesus include all of that that we just talked about? You know, reading sections like this uh, number one hit, it really helps to cultivate that deep, true, full picture of who Christ is. So now what? What, what, what can we do with this? How do we keep this going and, and try to maintain this uh, picture of Christ? Well, there are a couple of uh, habits that you can put into place. They're really simple um, that'll help you establish that true picture of who you follow and then also uh, to maintain it. And the first thing is, and this is your fill-in, when you find yourself wondering about what God is like, read about Jesus. Read about Jesus. When you wonder what God is like, read about Jesus. When you have those thoughts of, does God like me? Like, is he even thinking about me? Does he even care about me? Read about Jesus. Because look, 
our view of God, this, this is just true. Over time, it will distort if you're not continually going back to Scripture and learning the truth about who God is. It just, our view just gets, you know, it goes to another place. You know, uh, Philip, there's a guy named Philip who was one of Jesus' inner circle. He followed him. He was one of his disciples. For three years, he followed him. He watched Jesus do all kinds of miracles. He, he had this huge view of who Jesus was, but then at the end of Jesus' ministry, Philip turned to, to him and said, could you show us the Father? In other words, he was saying to Jesus, like, can you show us God? And Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, I represent God. I am God. That, and if one of Jesus' own disciples struggled with keeping his view of Christ true, how much more are we going to struggle with that, of keeping it biblical and true and full and deep? And that's the point of this. We've got to keep our view of Christ anchored in Scripture. You know, a great place to start is the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books of the New Testament. They are the four books that have the account of Jesus' life, his teachings, and his ministry. If you're wondering what God is like, read one of those books, and you'll learn all about Jesus. Okay, another habit you can get into is when someone asks you about God, point them to Christ. If you get in a conversation with somebody about God and they're like, well, I think God is this way, or what do you think about God? Just say, I know what God is like because I know Christ. I know Jesus, and this is what he's like. And you will be absolutely accurate in describing God by describing Christ. You know, sometimes it can be overwhelming when people ask you questions about God. So it's just a great habit to get into, to just say, let me tell you about God. Let's talk about Jesus. That's the best way to do it. Um, and, and frankly, too, um, when you teach other people things, it reinforces it for you. So if you get in the habit of when you talk about God, you point people to Christ, you're going to be reminding yourself that when you are wondering about God and what God is like, that you should go think about Jesus and point to Jesus. Here's the deal. If you do this, if you cultivate that true view of Christ that we've read about in this number one hit, your priorities are going to change. Your life is going to change because you know what? You're going to know who you're following. You're really going to know who you're following. You know, when you come here to church, you're not just going to sing. You are going to worship because you know who you are singing about. You know that person. You know, you're going to serve when you see people in need. You're going to give generously. You're going to prioritize your relationship with God and, and come to church consistently and join a small group and, and, and just grow spiritually. That's going to be a high priority for you. Your calendar, your checkbook, they are going to reflect that you know the God that you serve and the person you have a relationship with. That your life will change if you have that accurate, true, deep view of who Christ is. You know, and that's, that's why Paul wrote this letter. This number one hit, that was the whole point, is that he wanted the Colossians to have the real true view of who Christ is. And, you know, as I prepared for this message, like, I found my view of Christ being recalibrated back to where it needs to be in some ways. And as I hope, it's now happening with some of you. But that really isn't where it can stop. I mean, not only do we have to know about who Christ is, we have to be willing to share that with other people. We have to be willing to pass that, that truth along as the truth was passed on to us. And uh, we have an opportunity this week um, on the 4th of July 
to share this truth with so many people in one of the most easy, fun ways we ever do it. We've done it like this in the past. We will hand out at fireworks displays glow necklaces. And I know we're talking about all these huge things about Christ and he created the universe and now we're talking about glow necklaces. Doesn't that sound a little trivial? It's not. And I'll tell you why. Because, because what we do is we go and we hand out thousands of these glow necklaces at these fireworks displays at places like Katie Mills, Cinco Ranch High School. And by, by the end of the night, you will look around and see hundreds of people wearing them. And each one represents a personal invitation to come to this church and hear the truth about Christ. Because when we hand them out, we also hand them an invite card to come here to church. And there are many people who come to Parkway Fellowship now and are growing in their relationship and understanding of Christ because of that glow necklace. I kid you not. And so it it is one of the easiest, most um, fun ways that we reach out to our community with the truth of Christ that we're talking about this morning. And so um, there's three ways you can be involved. Um, You can come by Katie Mills, the Katie Mills area, and we'll send you information on how we're going to do it. You can come by uh, on the 4th of July, and we we will hand you uh, these tubes of glow necklaces. There's 50 in each tube, and we'll give you some invite cards. You can just go hand them out. We'll do the same thing at Cinco Ranch High School. Now, if you are going to a 4th of July celebration, like in your neighborhood or your community or some other place, you can pick up some today in the foyer on your way out and take them with you. Okay, so those are kind of the three ways that you can be involved. But let me just reiterate, this is one of the easiest ways. It is so easy. These people love it when you give them these necklaces. They love it. It is so easy. If you have a desire in your heart to share Christ with your community, this is the way to get started. This is absolutely the way to get started. It's so easy, and it's a fun thing for you to do with your family. All right, let's go back to our number one hit. Uh, the second main point there you're filling is you've got to reconcile with God. <clears throat> for those of you who are more observant, you may have noticed we're not actually finished with our number one hit. We went through all that stuff earlier. We only got through verse 19. We have one more verse, verse 20, and it is key. So let's look at it. Colossians 1:20. And through him, that's Christ, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. Underline that phrase, reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You see, Paul didn't write this, number one hit, just so we would know all these amazing things about God. He wrote it so that we would know that amazing God. That's the whole point of it. You know, when it talks about God reconciling everything to himself, that's the, the, a picture of two people or parties that are at odds with each other, and they're being brought back together. They were at peace at one point, and they've been put at odds, and God is reconciling us back to him. And, you know, maybe for some of you, you don't feel like you're at peace with God, or maybe you feel like you've never been at peace with God. So the idea of reconciling, it's like, how can I reconcile with somebody I've never been at peace with? Well, let me explain something amazing to you. God created everything in the world. We've just been talking about this this morning. He created everything. And the thing he loved more than anything else that he created was us. And he created us simply because he wanted to love us and have a relationship with us. And we had a very brief period at the beginning where we were at peace. We were with him in a perfect relationship. 
But then sin came into the world and separated us. And throughout history, God has been paving the way for us to be reconciled with him. And the way that he provided for us to do that is his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent to the earth to live a perfect life and die a death on the cross to pay the penalty for any sins you or I have ever committed, are committing now, or will commit in the future. It's paid. It is paid in full. It is not something that we earn. It is not something that we can contribute to in any way. It is done. It is a free offer. Christ is literally standing there, extending the invitation, saying, I love you, and I want to be in a relationship with you. All you have to do is accept it. That's the deal. And so if you've never started a relationship with God, if you've never reconciled with God and started that relationship, there is a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Um, If you've never prayed a prayer like that prayer, and it doesn't have to be that one specifically, uh, but one like that that basically says, God, I recognize that I need you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Please forgive me of my sins. I trust Christ to save me. If you haven't prayed a prayer that basically covers those points, pray that prayer today. God loves you. He is literally just waiting to start a relationship with you. Pray that prayer today. Um, Don't wait any longer. I mean, there is literally no reason to put it off and wait. You know, Colossians 1, 15 to 20 is, uh, it's a number one hit for a reason. I mean, it, it gives us that deep, true picture, that huge picture of who Christ is, that powerful creator God who loves us and died for us. Do you have that full picture of Christ? All right, everybody, I want you to pull out your connection card. Go ahead and pull it out, and I want you to hold it right next to your uh, message notes, and I want you to check a next step or steps that you're willing to take this morning based on the message, and I want you to check Check them on both the card and your message notes because in a second you're going to turn that card in, uh, but you're going to keep the message notes and uh, take that home so you can remember what you committed to. Uh, how about this first one? I will make a habit of reading passages that emphasize Christ's power. This is a great one. And if you check that next step, I'm going to send you an email that has some more passages. And you can just have those ready in your life when you need to kind of recalibrate your view of Christ. You can just read them. Okay, so check that one. I'll send you those passages. How about the second one? When I wonder about what God is like, I will read about Jesus. That is a great habit to get into. When you have those thoughts of, you know, what does God think of me? Does he like me? What, what's the deal? Read about Jesus, okay? How about this next one? When someone asks me about God, I will point them to Christ. So the same habit you're gonna do for yourself, do for others. Get in the habit of pointing other people to Christ um, when they have questions about God. How about this next one? I will hand out glow necklaces at Katie Mills on July 4th. Check that box and we will send you information about where to meet us and what time. We'll give you a window and you can, we'll we'll just be waiting there with all of them and you can just swing by in your car and we'll give you the glow necklaces and you can move on. It's real easy. So if you want to do that, and that's not just at Katie Mills Mall. There's a few different locations right around there. So if if you're planning on seeing fireworks in that area, check that box and uh, you can come by and pick those up. How about this next one? I will hand out glow necklaces at Cinco Ranch High School on July 4th. Same deal, we'll send you information about where to pick them up and when. How about this next one? I will pick up glow necklaces today to hand out on July 4th. And again, this is just in your community, in your neighborhood, wherever you are. 
um, pick them up on your way out in the foyer. But I will say this, if you pick them up, hand them out. Don't, you know, like put them in the back of your car for nine months and then like, oh yeah, I was supposed to hand those out back in July 4th. I guess I'll give it out as a Christmas gift instead. So actually give them out. Uh, how about the next one? Sign me up for a B-session adult small group starting July 14th. We printed an abbreviated list here on this card of the small groups, adult small groups that are going to kick off on July 14th. They only, it's only five sessions, which takes place over about a month. If you haven't joined a small group this summer, join one and prioritize your spiritual life. There are some great ones on here. Uh, I'm leading a group, the first one there, on basically how to read the Bible. And I'm leading it this A session. We're getting close to the end. It has been awesome. I'd love to have you in that one. Uh, but look on there and join a group. All you've got to do is write the code over here, uh, the blue code on the line on your connection card, and you're signed up. We'll take care of you. How about this last one? I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you want to start your relationship with God, if you're going to pray that prayer today to become a Christ follower, check that box, and we will send you some information in the mail to get you started in your new life with Christ. And uh, also what I want you to do is pick up a new believer packet on your way out. There are little packets on these uh, tables just on the inside of all these doors. So just grab one on your way out. We've got some great resources in there for you as you start your new life following the amazing God we learned about this morning in our number one hit. Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Uh, God, I just thank you that you've given us your word and your truth about who you really are. Father, I pray that the truth we have learned this morning about who you are would just dig down deep into us and it would, um, it would just be truth, bedrock truth in our life of our understanding of who you are and who we follow. God, I pray that our image of you would not distort over time, but Lord, that you would show us who you really are, God, and that we would uh, be able to follow you better as a result. God, I just thank you um, that you love us, that as big of a God as you are, you created everything, just the mind-blowing nature of who you are, even among all of that, Lord, you love us individually enough that you were willing to come and die so that we can be reconciled with you. Father, I thank you for that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.